Luke chapter 8, verse 16. I'll just go ahead and, uh, well, you guys remember in chapter 8, Dwight's, Pastor Dwight's been doing a great job. Um, he did a great job on chapter 8. So Jesus gave us the parable of the sower and the purpose of the parables. And he explained the first parable, right, of the sower. And, and the parable of the sower really represented four different hearts. And uh, so as you're turning to Luke chapter 8, verse 16, I'll just go ahead and start reading and then you guys could catch up. Luke chapter 8, verse 16, it says, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel or puts it under a bed, but sets it on a lampstand that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Therefore take heed how you hear. For whoever has to to him, more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken from him. Then his mother and his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some uh, who said, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered and said to them, My mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. Now it happened, well, yeah, let's go and read this to you. Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out because as they sailed, he fell asleep. But as they, they sailed, he fell asleep, sorry. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. And then he arose and rebuked the wind and raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the winds and water to obey him. Man, this is, let's slow down a little bit. Um, We'll get to the rest of that. Let's go back to verse 16. And let's look at this first section dealing with the hearing of the word of God in verses 16 to 21. And notice, by the way, in verse 18, Uh, It says, therefore, take heed how you hear. So hear what? Well, how you hear the word of God, not just anything, but take heed how you hear the word of God. And remember the context of what we're hearing. Look at verse 11. Go rewind with me there. Verse 11. It says in verse 11, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So this whole section that we're dealing with right here is dealing with the word of God. And look at verse 12. Verse 12, those by the wayside are the ones who hear, right? So speaking of the word of God, because that's the context, right? And look at verse 13. It says, but the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, Hear what? The word of God. And look at verse 14. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, speaking in the context of the word of God. 
And verse 15, look at verse 15. It says, but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word. So, uh, in fact, go down to verse 21. Verse 21, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God. So clearly, this section is dealing with the word of God. It's just obvious. There's so many times that it's mentioned right here. Um, And with that, let's look at three things dealing with the word of God here. Number one, notice in verses 16, it's uh, in 16 and 17, Jesus is giving, he's giving an illustration regarding hearing the word, and it involves light. Notice it says in verse 16, No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel, or puts it under a bed, but it sets it on a lampstand, that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Now, in the context of uh, the parable of the sower in verses 11 through 15, it seems the point is simple with the illustration of, well, we just saw right now, right? Um, Hearing the word of God. It's all about hearing the word. And the point is this, that everyone's response to the word of God uh, will be clear. It'll be brought to light, right, is what it's saying. And and because if you hear the word with a hard heart, um, like the first soil, or like the shallow heart, like the second soil, or the worldly heart, like the third soil, um, uh, then it'll be evident in our lives. Everybody's going to know it. Everybody's going to see it. it. What you do is, it's evident. It's exposed, if you will, by the light. Uh, but if we hear the word of God with a good heart, well, then everybody's going to know that as well, right? It's going to be revealed. It's going to be brought to light. So however you hear the word of God, whether with good intentions or bad intentions, uh, it's going to be brought to light. It's going to be evident, right? Uh, it's going to be very obvious, not only to others, but to the Lord. You're not deceiving the Lord, right? So when we come to church, when we hear the word of God, it's just amazing how many people can come with different motives. If, if I were to interview each and every one of you right now, and then I was to reveal it on the PowerPoint, right? Look at what so-and-so said. This is why they come to church, right? Everybody would be like, oh, no. <laughs> but it, what if all of us came just because we, we just want to know God, right? We desire him. We have a passion to know him more by studying the word of God and gathering together. Well, number one, because it's his will, right, for us to come together and to learn more of him, right? Mary and Martha, what was the example there? One sat at his feet and learned from him, which was the better part, right? The other, she was busy about doing the, the, the works, if you will, right, of serving, which is good, but which was better? It, the better, the best was to sit at his feet and learn from him. And I think there's a stage for all of us when we hear the word of God. I think when we're born again, we are to just sit, Sit at the feet of God and just learn, right? Just just absorb it. Be a student, right? Be a disciple. And by the way, you'll always be a student and always be a disciple. You'll never be promoted to, hey, now you're a master leader, whatever. <laughs> um, but you will 
uh, there comes a point to where you, the Lord will prompt you to no longer just hear the word, but now go out, right? Go therefore, right? It's a command. Go now into the world and, and make disciples. How do you do that? You proclaim the gospel. You preach the gospel, it says. And so we're all commanded to do that. And you might say, well, I can't do that. Of course you can't, but the Holy Spirit can. So you're a new creation in, in Christ Jesus, right? And, and now he can do it through you. And so as you step out in faith, he'll begin to do a, a mighty work with you. And it's a good thing. So this uh, brought, brought, brat, brat, brought, brought fry, we don't have those in Arizona. But that's a good opportunity to share the gospel. So come on out, stand there, and people, you know, they're putting their ketchup and be like, hey, what do you think about life and death? Do you have an eternal perspective on what's going to happen? I don't know, however you do it, right? Um, just, it's a good thing. But anyways, um, so understand when we sit here tonight, though, uh, we're all hearing the word of God, right? You guys are all hearing the word of God. The question is, what kind of hearts are we hearing it with? You see, good or bad, it's going to be evident, right, to the Lord. We're not deceiving him. But it's interesting that Jesus, he uses the same illustration in Matthew chapter 5. You guys remember the Mount, um, Sermon on the Mount? Uh, he uses the same illustration in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He says, oh, oh there you go. Uh, he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So being the light of the world, he gives that same analogy, if you will, that example. In fact, in verse 16, he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So understand, People are watching you and me. They're watching how we live our lives. And that's a good thing, right? I'm, by all means, I'm like, hey, praise the Lord for that, right? Go ahead and put a camera in my house and see the way I interact. That's, hey, you're going to come to the Lord. <laughs> it's, a, it's a blessing um, just knowing that everybody's, they're, they're listening. Um, but it will be clear uh, to them, whoever is watching us, it's going to be clear and evident the motive and the reason by how you live your life. Why do you come to church? Why do you, how do you hear the word, right? As it pertains to hearing the word of God. Some have, uh, it's just amazing, the motives that people come to church for. Um, some come to church with the motive of making profit off of you, right? They just want to, they want, they just see money. When they see you, they're like, hey, you shook my hand. Hey, by the way, let's talk after church. Hey, so I'm in this business and it's only going to take $50 to get into my business. And, but you could be a millionaire, right? And they'll, they'll try to tempt you to get into their stuff. Others are here for, uh, well, they just want to lure people into their religion and they're, they're deceptive, right? They come in and, and they come in with a smile, right? And, and they, they say, hey, and they begin with the questions, right? They, they, want to, they want to question your faith. And they say, do you really believe this stuff, right? And if you're like, oh, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not, I got many questions. And they'll say, how about we go out for coffee? And they'll, they, well, let's start going over here to this church. Or I'm going to start doing a Bible study down the road. So why don't you just come? So they want to lure you in. Others, um, they, they come because, you know, they like so-and-so, right? 
And you could tell, like, here's, here's uh, Pastor Dwight teaching up here, and then they're just sitting and staring this way. It's like, what? <laughs> what are you staring at, right? Oh, there's the only girl over there. Oh, that's what you're here for. So it's obvious to everybody. You're not deceiving anybody. We know why you're here, right? It's just, it's an obvious thing. So there's different motives. There's all kinds of different motives and different reasons why people come. But may the real reason be right, that you come is simply to hear from the word of God, right, that you might be ministered to by the Lord. In fact, guys, the volume of the book is written of Jesus. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. So if you're reading the word or if you're coming to a Bible study and you're not focusing in on, I just want to hear from Jesus, I want to learn from Jesus, I want to know more about Jesus, then you're robbing yourself. You missed the mark, man. You, you, you got the bow and the arrow and you went, whoo, and it went this way. <laughs> you were off big time. In fact, you're the person who's going to walk away and they say, how was church? Oh, it was good. What'd you learn? Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's a cool statistic, I guess. I learned that blah, 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 blah. But no, no, no. You just, you robbed yourself. Some people have been robbing themselves for years coming to church. But if you come with the motive of, Lord, oh man, I, I desire you. I, I want more of you. I want to, I, I just want to see Jesus, right? So if you're looking for that, you're going to see his heart. And if you're looking for that, he's going to remove those blinders, if you will. And, and everything's going to come to light. It's going to be like, whoa, I've read this a thousand times. I've never seen this before, right? About the heart of God. It's about Jesus. And, and he's going to continue to reveal those things to you. So it's a, it's a huge blessing, um, knowing what the Lord's doing. But, uh, we're, we're to come to church with the motive of hearing and obeying, right? Not just to come and receive and come to, uh, you know, just listen and hear the teaching and go about our way thinking, you know, we did God a service by, Lord, I gave up, you know, I sacrificed my time for you, so therefore I'm holy of some, you know, some, some kind, some way, you know, this week. Um, no, you come and you hear, but you also go and do now, right? You go and obey what you've heard. You go and do it. Uh, you, we're to study his word, you know, come to church, get in the word, uh, but come to bless his people as well. There's a time to sit and learn, but there's also, if you've been coming for a long time, man, you're accountable. You're re more responsible than the person that just started coming, right? So if anything, we're looking at you and saying, what are you doing? <laughs> Start doing something if you haven't, not necessarily here, but in your life. I can't tell you that because I don't know every one of you guys, right? Um, maybe you are. You're going about back to home. You're going at work. You're, you're meeting people on the streets. You're doing things. And praise the Lord for that. We don't need to hear about everything you're doing because, you know, you're doing it in your prayer closet and you're going to be rewarded for that. So good on you if that's the case. But we are to let our light so shine, right, to this dark and dying world. And that's the point. Um, coming for Jesus, right? Desiring Jesus to hear about him and, 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 and uh, to be ministered to by him. Therefore, you will be a light to this world because you cannot generate your own lights. People try it all the time. They're like, I'm going to do it. Oh, they can't. You just let Christ be in you who he will if you're born again. And, and he will naturally uh, be a light to the world. And that, by the way, is not always a good thing, right? The world, they, when you're next to them, 
You don't even have to say anything, and it just feels like they're being exposed, right? All their sinful deeds are like, oh, get away from me. <laughs> it's like, what are, what are you talking about? It's just him doing his work through you. Um, it's just, it's so cool. But anyways, back to Luke chapter 8. There's three things dealing with the hearing of the word. The first thing was the illustration that was given. The second is a command is issued. Notice in verse 18, Jesus gives his disciples a command here. He says, therefore, take heed how you hear. Take heed how you, what, notice therefore, right? So as a result of this illustration in the light of the parable, as it pertains to the hearing of the word of God, he says, take heed, right? Take heed, watch out, be careful how you hear. So realize this command is to be careful how we hear the word of God. We need to be careful how we hear the word. So are you hearing with a hard heart? Are you coming and hearing with a shallow heart? Are you coming and hearing with a worldly heart? Or are you coming with a good heart, right? One that says, Lord, I just, I want more of you. Are you coming to church to desire more of the Lord? And if you're not listening and looking for Jesus in every study, then you're, you know, that's, that's on you. <laughs> it's your life. By all means, do what you will. But if you want to be blessed, Come to know Jesus, right? Come to know more about him, and, and you're just going to be blessed. But Jesus, he amplifies this thought. Notice in verse 18 again, he says, For whoever has to him, more will be given. So the thought is, whoever has heard the word with a good heart, more will be given to him. Man, it's, it's like, Lord, I want more of you. Lord, I desire more of you. And then all of a sudden he's like, he, there, there's a verse that just stands out. And you're like, whoa, look at that verse. And then it's like, oh, man, Lord, I desire. Thank you so much for that verse. You blessed my heart. Oh, I'm going to read the next verse. Whoa. <laughs> and then again and again. And it keeps going and going and going and going. God is faithful, man. He'll continue to bless you. He'll continue to just pour out the everything on you and and you'll you'll be blessed but um the contrast of that is notice it says in verse 18 and whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him so if you don't hear the word with a good heart right even what he has will be taken from him and that's in the same context by the way in the same chapter you guys remember in verse 12 you can look back at verse 12 it says those by the wayside are the the ones who hear then the devil comes and he takes away the word out of their hearts lest they should believe and be saved that is the goal of the enemy. That's the motive of the enemy. He wants to come in and rob you of the things that you heard about Jesus. He doesn't want you to know about the gospel. He doesn't want you to know and uh, about the things about God. Why? Because you're going to believe on him. Why? How are you going to believe? Because faith 
uh, that's, that's belief, right? When you come to hear the word, you're gonna, your faith is being increased. Thus, you believe all the more. You believe is an action word with your life. It's a daily. It's not a, I believe 30 years ago, thus I'm saved and I'm going to go to heaven. No, it's, it's believe. I'm going to believe with my entire every day in the future. I'm going to believe, right? Every day you follow. Every day you die to self. And you continue to pick up your cross. And you follow Jesus, um, I was blessed with the conference this, this week. I was taking people, you know, across with the shuttle back to the hotels or wherever. And, and, uh, and they don't like me when they see me because I'm like, hey, I got a question for you. I'm the question guy. I want to, hey, these are the guys, they're, they're wise, right? They've, they've lived it out. And I love just, all, I'm constantly asking questions and talking to them. But uh, some of them are jokers. And one guy, T.A. Uh, McMahon, he was like, hey, you want to know something about my self-esteem? There's a problem about it. And I was like, what is it? He's all, it's not low enough. And I was like, yes! <laughs> I'm going to use that one. Um, but that's good stuff. Anyways, um, yeah. So if you desire to hear from the Lord and you want to know more of him, right, he's going to reveal himself to you. And you'll see things in scripture that you've never seen before. But if you don't desire to hear from him, then you're going to miss out, right? You're going to be the person that's reading the Bible and you're going to be like, I don't understand a thing about this. Why? Because you're just reading it to see, it, like you're going to Barnes & Noble and you pick a random book and you think you're going to, you know, somehow this is a magical book and somehow by reading it, everything's just going to happen for good in your life. But in fact, when you read it, yes, you if it's for good, but the definition of good is a little different than your mind is probably thinking of. Because what God intends for you, yes, is good, but with that comes some hardship. In order for him to form you and mold you, he's got he's to take off some areas in your life. And when you hear about God saying, hey, I don't like this area in your life, we need to, we need to remove that. It's going to hurt. You're going to be like, oh, oh, but that, oh. <laughs> it's the letting go. But when you do, you look back and you're like, oh, man, how come I didn't do that sooner? Right? Because it's, it's such a blessing when you let go. Um, but now let's, let's look at the example that is seen. Notice in verse 19 through 21, regarding the hearing of the word of God, it says in verse 19, then his mother and his brothers, right? So uh, for those of you who were raised in a religious background, uh, apart from the Bible, you were probably raised thinking that Jesus, you know, didn't have any brothers and Mary only had Jesus and nobody else. But in fact, when you read the Bible, you're going to be shocked because there's a whole bunch of verses like this that says uh, that his brothers came to him. So anyways, I'll let you chew that up. But and, and, and it could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And, but he answered and he said to them, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. So Jesus takes this real-time example of his mother and his brothers that are coming to him. They're trying to reach him, right? And Jesus says, those who hear the word are his mother and his brothers. And so those who hear his word with a good heart are, are those who received the word of God, basically. Understand that when we hear the word of God with an open heart, Right, One that receives Jesus as Lord and Savior. One that was born again. One that gave their lives to the Lord. That, that submits to God's will. 
we are those who are born again. We're the ones who are his brothers and his sisters, right? We are family. We're one. He's made us one. Now God is our father. In fact, in Romans 8.15, it says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage against the fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. We, only the believers, can actually say this of God. He is not the, the rest of the world's father. We are not brothers and sisters with the Muslim faith, with the other faiths, and so and so forth. We are the body of believers who believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is God Almighty. He came in the flesh, dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, right? We, 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 we were just astonished at uh, his teachings and the, the manner of how he did things, and, and we crucified him right? We, we took him to the cross. We killed him. Three days later, he rose again, victorious, right? He's the resurrected king. He is, according to Revelation chapter 1, the Alpha and the Omega, who was and is and is to come. He's the one who was dead and is alive forevermore, Revelation 1 says, right? He is God Almighty, and, and that's the God that we serve. So, it's just amazing to me that we are adopted in him, though. We are grafted in. We're the Gentiles. If you're the Jewish, say, hey, you're, you're, you're his, right, if you're born again. But the rest of us, we're, we're grafted in. And uh, it's a beautiful thing when you, look at, um, when you look at adoption in and of itself. You know what? I'm going to tell you guys something. We haven't really told the whole church this. Are you guys ready for this? And then maybe I shouldn't. Should I? You guys think I should? Okay, um, so, well, it's a long story, so I'm not going to share it all, but when we were having my son Ezra, uh, the one that we, we dedicated up here, my, my third child, we, we thought we were going to have a girl, right? So we were like, okay, my wife was like, how about the word, uh, the name Emma? And I was like, all right, let's do it. But we were like, okay, what if we do have a boy? Like, what's his name going to be? And so we, we narrowed it down to two names. It was Micah or Ezra. And we are like, oh, that's a, you know, what, we, we were just kind of at war with both names. So we, we just said, let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to confirm it. And he did. Now, somebody from our church had a dream that we had a boy. And our, automatically I was like, whatever, it's a girl. She's it's, it's not going to be a boy. So that was just a dream, whatever. But, but the girl had a dream that we had a boy, and his name was Ezra. And so we were like, what are the chances of that, right? So we, we are asking for, you know, out of two names, that the Lord will confirm it. And he confirmed it through somebody's dream. So we were like, okay, well, his name's Ezra. And so two weeks ago, we were, um, it's always been my heart to adopt, right? Always. Uh, since I was a kid. In fact, I go beyond that. I, I want to set up an orphanage, and uh, I've been looking into it, and the government makes it so hard, so it's like, ah, oh, what's the next best thing I can do, right? So we're looking into adoption, and two weeks ago, we just, the first page that we looked at, um, we saw this little girl about the same age as my daughter, and she has the same red hair, and we were like, oh, right? Immediately, we're like, wow. <laughs> and then my wife sees her name, and her name's Emma, 
right? So we were like, no way, her name's Emma, that's crazy. And then it says, but Emma comes with the baby brother, and he's the same age as my son Malachi. And we were like, no way, how cool is that? And, and uh, so we clicked on the link, and it goes to his page, and they were like, oh, look at that little guy. And then what is his name? Micah. We were like, no way, what are the chances of that? So pray for us. We're looking into, uh, we're getting all the paperwork and all that. We're going with the process. So uh, it's, a, it's a blessing. But if that's the case, how cool would that be if the Lord said, these are the two, and I was just, who knows? It's an emotional runaround for us. So uh, it's going to be, but praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Um, so anyways, let's go back to the study here. So Jesus' earthly family is used as this illustration, really, to drive this important point, right, uh, of hearing the word of God. And so when we come to faith in Jesus, we become one, right, with, with, with the fam- we're the family. And, and uh, so he's our father, and we're his children, and he loves us. And by the way, but here's a cool little thing. There's no partiality in Jesus. Isn't that cool? He loves us all the same. If you're in him, his love for you can't be more. Why? Because he gives you the full extent of his love. He can't love you. Can you think about that? He can't love you anymore. Why? Because he is love, 1 John 4. Wait, what? Right? He doesn't just say, oh, it's you. Here's your love. (laughs) Oh, but it's you. Right? This much love goes to you. No, it's all him. He's all in. It's 100% of his love being poured out to all of us. Isn't that cool? I love that. Anyways, uh, according to the end of verse 21, look at, look at the end of verse 21. It says, my mother and my brothers are these who hear the word of God and do it. That's the catch right there. We know this just coming to church and listening to the teaching. It's not enough. You know, it's, it's not about just hearing the word, but doing it, right? Obeying it. Uh, In fact, turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 in the back. And we we can't just listen and not act on it, right? Um, James chapter 1, look at verse 22. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away, and immediately he forgets what kind of man he was. But, but, and here's, here's, here's the thing, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not for a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So it's not enough to just hear the word. We need to practice it, right? And understand if we're hearers only, the Bible says we are deceiving ourselves, right? Thinking, you know, you're okay just because you come to church and just because you hear the word, you you feel like you're safe, but in reality, you're deceiving yourself. And it's a scary place to be deceived, um, but back to Luke chapter 8, back over there to Luke 8. And now let's look at the second uh, section about having faith in the word. Um, in verses 22 to 25, this section is going to be talking about faith. Uh, in verse 25, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, where is your faith? Right? So this 
portion is about faith um, and having faith in Jesus and really in what he says. And there's a few things I see in this section about faith, uh, and they are, number one, the word to the disciples. Notice in verse 22, it's the word to the disciples. It says, now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples and he said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. So the words Jesus spoke to the disciples, it was very clear. And let us cross over to the other side of the lake, right? Very, very clear. Did you hear the confidence in his words there? Uh, he didn't say, oh boy, man, I sure hope we, we make it to the other side of the lake, guys. <laughs> that, you know, that way I'd be like, uh, maybe we should just camp out right here, you know, in that case. He didn't say, oh, let's try and see if we can possibly get to the other side. He didn't say any of that. It was very confident. Now he made a statement of fact, let us cross over to the other side. Right, It was a clear and yet simple command. And so that brings us to the second thing here. Let's look at the example for the disciples. Notice in verse 23 it says, But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy. That word jeopardy means danger. Right? They were in danger. And... and uh, Man, by the way, imagine fishing with a, a, a guy who knows what he's doing. He's been fishing all of his life. And then all of a sudden you see his face and he's like, we're going to die. <laughs> it's like, oh, all my confidence is out there. We are going to, okay, here I am. Ah, right. But uh, man, that's scary to see something like that. But that's what's happening here. They're all panicking. Uh, of course, they're getting hit by the waves, right? This is of God. God chose to do this on purpose for a reason to, to teach them. But they were on the Sea of Galilee, and God chose to mix the hot air with the cold air. And of course, there's the mountain region there and, and the windstorm. Notice it came down on the lake. And that's what happens with the windstorms, right? The hot and cold. And, and, uh, and take note, by the way, Jesus said, never said to the disciples that the, the sailing would be smooth, right? He never said it's going to be, oh, it's going to be a wonderful time. We'll get over there. No, he didn't say that. God had plans for that sailboat and for them. And, and when we come to Jesus, yes, there's peace, uh, but there's also going to be trials. There's going to be tribulations. There's going to be persecution. And they're going to come our way. But that's what was promised. If you choose to follow him, you know his word. His word says it's going to come our way. So uh, it's because you're, you have faith in his word. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So not if you plan on living godly, eh, who cares? But if you desire, ah, now that's, that's what, when it's going to happen. If you want to live godly, then you, if you desire to live godly, you're going to be suffering and you're going to go through the persecution. So uh, by the way, note carefully the example of Jesus to the disciples. Notice in verse 23, it says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. 
<laughs> he fell asleep. This is great. In Mark chapter uh, 4, verse 38, it says, but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. He had his own pillow. Isn't that cool? He's like, hey, this is my pillow. He was gone. He was sleeping away. Well, in the midst of trouble, in the midst of danger, he was at rest. He, was, he had that tranquility. He had that rest. Man, the waves are crashing and going, but he was... <sighs> <laughs> he was going to down there. But now let's, let's look at the, the worry by the disciples. When they realize this, man, they are worried. Notice in verse 24, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. By the way, I'm sure if he was really tired and you woke him up, I don't think he'd be happy. Right? Um, but they awoke him, and then they were so worried that they thought Jesus, he didn't care that they were dying. They're like, do you not care? So it's not that Jesus didn't care what was happening in their life, uh, but that Jesus knew what was going to happen, right? He was using this all as an illustration, uh, dealing with their faith. He wanted to hit home in their heart about what they need to take care of, right? When the winds of this life, they hit us, man, times get tough. I understand that. But don't ever think that Jesus doesn't care. Don't ever think that he's not concerned for you. He's, he, he takes care of the birds of the sky, right? The, the, the flowers and everything. He takes care of every. How much more so is he going to take care of us, his children, right? He loves us. So he knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows how it will all turn out. He knows exactly what's going on. So remember this whole section, by the way, is dealing with our faith in the word of God. And, and so do we have faith in his word? Are we trusting that everything is going to be okay in him, right? Do we have faith that God is in complete and total control over everything and anything? Do we have faith in him? Uh, do you believe Ephesians 1.11? In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Do you believe Romans 8:28 that says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Paul didn't say I'm sure that it might work together. No, Paul was confident in in God. He was confident that it will all work out together, right? Now, why did the disciples worry? Why did they doubt? Well, because they got their eyes off of trusting in Jesus. And the same thing happened. You guys remember the other windstorm when they were on the boat? And, and uh, you know, it's crashing and going crazy. And they're like, oh, and they see Jesus. And, and Peter, he's like, get out of the way, right? And, and he's like, Jesus, and, you know, calls out to him and tells him, you know, you know, can I walk out there to you? And, and Jesus says, yeah, come on, come on over. And, you know, Matthew 14, and he steps out of the boat. He, Peter does the impossible, right? Because he's walking by faith. But what happens? He's just like you and me. We're human, right? And we begin to, if we're weak at, at, at the surround, we look at the situations around us, and we begin to see the situations, and what happens? Whoop! We, be, we just, <laughs> you begin to just, you drown into the, the cares of this world. So, uh, man, Peter got his eyes off of Jesus and on the situation. And same with us. Every time we look into 
if we look at the situation, really what we're saying to God is, God, I know you're there, but you know, I'm going to look over here. In other words, it's our flesh. It's a temptation to take hold of the situation uh, and saying, God, let, let, me, let me handle this. I got it. I got it, God. <laughs> don't, don't, don't ever say that, right? Don't ever say, but, but, but God, right? <laughs> Be careful. But, but that's the, the sinful nature of man. That's what Adam and Eve did, right? Eve, you, you can be like God, right? You can know uh, good from evil. You can be in control in a sense. And then she said, oh, let me take, reach, and take in and, and be a part of this. And, and thus sin entered the world. And thus you and I struggle with the same thing. We desire that control, but we got to let go of that control. There's, there's stuff that's beyond us, right? Our kids, our, our jobs, our, there's situations in our life that we just got to say, Lord, I can't handle it. So take it. Why, why do I stress over it? Why make it a burden? Just give it to the Lord. Let him handle it. Um, anyways, look at verse 24. And verse 25, uh, it's not that they didn't have any faith, but rather they had little faith, right? The verse 24, uh, it says, And they came to him, and they awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we're perishing. And then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. But he said to them, Where is your faith? Right? And, and so we know in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, that everybody's been given a measure of faith. So they had faith. Uh, the thing is, we all have faith. And, but where are we putting our faith? Are we putting it in ourselves? Or are we putting it in God? Are we putting it in, on the word of God? Are we standing on his promises? Do we really believe Ephesians 1, 3 that says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Or 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Do we believe Philippians 4.19 that says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do we believe Romans 8.37? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So even if we... Uh, even if you have faith, you'll still go through everything that life has to offer you. Your stuff's going to get tough. It's going to you're going to go through trials. You're going to go, but the thing is, you have peace, and that's what separates you from everybody else. It's going to happen, but you're not going to be all stressed out about it, right? Your heart is going to be steady on that solid rock in which we stand, right? I kind of want to start singing now, but it's Christ Jesus on whom we stand. We don't stand on the cares of the world. Right? He, he's commanded us not to care about the, the care. Let him handle it. That's the, that's the idea here. But let's, let's look at the response of the disciples. We go back to verse 25. It says, so he said, where's your faith? And they were afraid. And they marveled, saying to one another, who can this be? For he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Right? But notice the first response was fear. They, they were afraid, it says. So understand this, that when you're not walking by faith, you're walking in sin. And where sin is, that's where fear and everything else dwells in doubt, right? Uh, but people can, man, they can get so, uh, 
they can, if you live in your fear, if you allow fear to drive your life, it's going to drive you mad. You're just going to be in a crazy, crazy house person, right? Um, but as a believer, we don't have to live in fear, right? Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love, of love and of a sound mind. Uh, we know that we're to be trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Um, for trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall, and he shall direct your paths. So the second response of the disciples was they marveled. Notice in verse 25 it says, and they marveled. So this marveling was not a good thing, by the way. Uh, it was a bad thing. They, they weren't, you know, a good thing would be in awe of God, like, yeah, wow, I want to worship, worship the Lord right now. No, 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 no. They marveled in a bad way. Remember, they were fearful. They were afraid of Jesus, right? So context is everything, saying, who can this be? Right, so they, their marveling was not a good thing. When God does a miraculous uh, wonder before my eyes, I, I don't say, you know, I don't marvel in disbelief and be like, wow, I can't believe he actually did that, right? I, <laughs> no, I say, wow, man, look, that's my God. Of course he did that, right? That's the, I expect that from God. When I'm praying for people, I'm expecting God to do a work. And if he doesn't, that's when I marvel, like, wow, I can't believe you do anything, right? But I marvel in, in a good way, but they're marveling in a, a bad way, right? Where it's like, who is this guy? Um, but the third response of the disciples was they questioned. Uh, notice in verse 25, for he, com he commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They're like, they're just, they're, they're astonished, right? And when we don't have faith in God, we question if he can actually be in control, right? But when we have faith, we have full assurance, man, that God could do anything. We have full confidence that he could do anything. And when you come to this point, you have this calm. You have this peace in your heart. It surpasses all understanding. You can't explain it, right? But no matter the storm, we need to look to Jesus. Why? Because what does Hebrews say about Jesus? He's the author and the finisher of our faith, right? He knows exactly from beginning to end exactly what he's doing with our faith, um, so Jesus not only has power over the wind and over the sea, he also has power over the spiritual realm. And this is interesting. Um, let's just look at verse 26. It says, Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarians, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he live in a house, but in the tombs. Um, understand that this spiritual realm, by the way, it's real. Whether you like it, know it, or believe it or not, it doesn't matter. It's real, right? It, and it's, it's evident in this world. Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, he says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against uh, principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness, in the heavenly places. But here's the good news, guys, believers, church. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down what? Strongholds, right? Is that strong? It's, he's got it. He'll give you it. 
He's, it's the work of the Holy Spirit through you. He'll in, empower you, and, and thus it won't be as strong anymore. Now, notice there, it's talking about this demon-possessed man right here, right? Uh, and in verse, uh, so in verse 27, this guy, he had no clothes, right? Uh, and when he saw Jesus, notice in verse 28, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. Now, Okay, so he was, he's naked, he's living in tombs, right? According to verse 29, it says, For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him. And he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. So normally, we don't see people like this. Uh, uh, they, they come in all shapes and forms and sizes, and <laughs> you don't really see this kind of a guy. Uh, it's not always so obvious. But in Matthew chapter 8, verse 28, it says, There were two demon-possessed men. Uh, so it's interesting. I, I believe Luke uh, was, was writing uh, down what the actual person that was speaking was saying and I think the other person wasn't saying anything I think he was just standing there and thus Luke wrote about just what this guy said uh, therefore being one man but uh, according to uh, the other account it, there was two demon possessed men so uh, also note by the way there was not just one demon involved here notice in verse 30 it says, Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. So during this time, uh, we know Rome was in charge of the area, right? And, and uh, for the Roman, a legion meant 6,000 soldiers. Now, was this demon trying to speak Roman terminology? I don't know. I don't know if it's 6,000 demons exactly, uh, but we do know that it was many. And, it, and according to the, the time and the culture and the language, uh, and it was 6,000 was meant for a legion. So could it be 6,000? That's crazy if it was. So who are these demons? Well, they're unclean spirits. They're fallen angels. According to Isaiah 14, Satan, Lucifer, he wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to sit with God, basically, at the end of the table, and everything was ay 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 ay. It was all about himself, right? Talk about self-esteem. This guy was like... So, of course, God kicked them out. And, but according to Revelation chapter 12, I think it was 12, yep, uh, verses 2 and 4, a third of the angels went with him. And so, of course, there's two-thirds of the angels, and I thank the Lord for that. Uh, but as believers, we don't have to be afraid of these demons. We don't have to be terrified of them, because we have the Word of God. We have God in us, right? Uh, but if you're like me, I'm terrified. <laughs> but you don't need to be, right? I remember when I was a teenager, I was out in, the, in a parking lot. It's probably 12 o'clock at night. Um, Little Caesars was open, so we are going to get some pizza. We're in the parking lot. But we noticed from like the end of the entire parking lot, which is super far away, there's this guy kind of mumbling this weird language. And as we listen, we could hear cuss words, and then we could hear that language. And it wasn't English. It was definitely a language. Uh, but it was, it was, it was so like, you know, I got the, you know, whoa, what, what is he saying? And immediately we knew, let's pray for this guy. This guy's possessed. 
And we begin to pray quietly, obviously, because we're super far away. The guy turns around immediately, right when we said, Lord, we pray for this guy. And, and immediately, he's all, stop praying for me. And he, was, he started running straight for us. And immediately, I'm like, oh, get in the car. Let's get out of here. <laughs> so we, we were terrified. But uh, you, as a believer, we don't need to be terrified, OK? There's nothing that they can do to us. Or, um, but in fact, in John 4, 4, uh, it says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So that's why it's impossible, by the way, for the believer to be possessed, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, right? And there's no room for a demon. So this happened the moment that we were born again. The Holy Spirit is living and abiding in us. Um, by the way, Jesus... Um, he receives praise from these demons. I'm not going to go over all this. Uh, we'll, 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 we'll cut it short right here. But the demons give Jesus praise. They give him worship. They, the man bows down in a bodily form in the act of worship and actually praises Jesus. And if you're like me, I was like, wait, what? Right? A demon is worshiping Jesus? Uh, yes, but they were worshiping not the way we worship God. They were worshiping Jesus in a fearful expectation of judgment, that they were going to go to hell. Right? In verse 31, it says, and they begged him and he would not that, they, that he would not command them to go into the abyss. Uh, speaking of hell. So now think about this for a moment, guys. Even demons were terrified at the thoughts of going to hell. Consider that. Wow. Isn't that amazing? James chapter 2, verse 19, even the demons believe and they tremble. How much more so should we? Right? Those, though, if you're here and you're not a believer, man, you're, I would consider life. And dealing with worship, you know, some people, they come to church and they worship out of fear. Just like these demons, they worship out of fear. But that's not the way we worship. We worship in love, right? We worship the Lord in awe of him. We worship because of who he is. We don't worship him so that we don't go to hell, right? There is no fearful expectation for us. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So, um, and by the way, they petitioned Jesus, right? They, they brought their petition before the Lord. They said in verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. So they begged him, they petitioned him, right, not to go to hell, and they knew Jesus by the way, was the Son of God, right? The Son of the Most High God. So they had their theology right. They had their end times events right because they knew that they would be eventually going to hell. But they said it not yet, right? Not, not, they knew what was going to happen. So there's so much here. It's so jam-packed. It's so powerful. Um, you, you see the power of Jesus and, and, and his work and how he displayed everything. Um, Jesus not only had power over the waves, over the wind, but obviously over the spiritual realm as well, right? He's still in control. Um, in fact, since you're still sitting down, I'm going to keep going, right? I'm just going to quote you guys this really quick. Mark 6, 7 says, And he called the twelve to himself, and he began to send them out 
two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Not only does Jesus have power over the spiritual realm, but the church does as well. And you might say, oh yeah, but that was to the disciples, right? Yeah, sure. Acts chapter one, verse eight was to the church, wasn't it? But you shall receive power. Yes, to be witnesses, right? Uh, but but also the same power that Jesus had is the same power he enables his children to have. Mark sixteen seventeen. and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. In Luke chapter 10, you know, the, the 70 di- the disciples were sent out. So not just the 12, uh, but they had power to cast out demons as well. So there's so much here, so much jam-packed, but... Um, we're going to stop. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this time that we can gather together, Lord, and just consider your word. Uh, We pray that you would be magnified. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in our hearts as we come together. Uh, May it be our expectation, Lord, to seek your heart, to seek who you are, uh, to desire you, Lord. So grant us that passion. Grant us that grace, Lord, that we need to enter in boldly before your throne, uh, to, to simply just spend time with you, Lord, to know you. And so thank you, Lord. I pray that you would use us. Uh, I pray that you would uh, just uh, bless your name, Father. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen worship out of fear just like these demons they worship out of fear but that's not the way we worship we worship in love right we worship the lord in awe of him we worship because of who he is we don't worship him so that we don't go to hell right there is no fearful expectation for us it's it's a beautiful thing so um and by the way, they petitioned Jesus, right? They, they brought their petition before the Lord. They said in verse 28, when he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him, and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. So they begged him, they petitioned him, right, not to go to hell, and they knew Jesus by the way, was the Son of God, right? The Son of the Most High God. So they had their theology right. They had their end times events right because they knew that they would be eventually going to hell. But they said it not yet, right? Not, not, they knew what was going to happen. So there's so much here. It's so jam-packed. It's so powerful. Um, you, you see the power of Jesus and, and, and his work and how he displayed everything. Um, Jesus not only had power over the waves, over the wind, but obviously over the spiritual realm as well, right? He's still in control. Um, in fact, since you're still sitting down, I'm going to keep going, right? I'm just going to quote you guys this really quick. Mark 6, 7 says, And he called the twelve to himself, and he began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Not only does Jesus have power over the spiritual realm, but the church does as well. And you might say, oh yeah, but that was to the disciples, right? Yeah, sure. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was to the church, wasn't it? But you shall receive power. Yes, to be witnesses, right? Uh, but 
but also the same power that Jesus had is the same power he enables his children to have. Mark 16, 17, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. In Luke chapter 10, you know, the, the 70 di- the disciples were sent out. So not just the 12, uh, but they had power to cast out demons as well. So there's so much here, so much jam-packed, but... Um, we're going to stop. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this time that we can gather together, Lord, and just consider your word. Uh, We pray that you would be magnified. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified in our hearts as we come together. Uh, May it be our expectation, Lord, to seek your heart, to seek who you are, uh, to desire you, Lord. So grant us that passion. Grant us that grace, Lord, that we need to enter in boldly before your throne, uh, to, to simply just spend time with you, Lord, to know you. And so thank you, Lord. I pray that you would use us. Uh, I pray that you would uh, just uh, bless your name, Father. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.